Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Uncommon Podcast. This was a fun episode for me as I had the opportunity to interview Drew Harden. Drew is an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of Blue Compass, a leading digital marketing agency in Des Moines, Iowa. Drew is a dedicated and dynamic leader with a mission to help companies build better cultures that foster engagement, productivity, and growth. We also talk about his book, Retain, how to create an incredible company culture that no one wants to leave. And I personally love the book because Drew shares his years of experience in starting and running his own business, providing tons of practical wisdom on not only how to create an amazing work culture, but how these principles will allow you to enhance every relationship by adding value and practicing gratitude. So really everyone can benefit from this book. And I've included a link in the show notes if you would like to purchase it. In addition to talking about work culture, Drew also shared insights he's gained pertaining to marriage and parenting, as well as how to prioritize health and wellness and cast victorious vision for your business and personal life. We had a ton of fun talking about all of these things. So it's my hope that you are inspired and encouraged on your own uncommon journey. Without further ado, let's get into the show. You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Welcome to the Uncommon Podcast. I am your host, Ryan, and I'm pleased to be joined by my uncommon guest today, Drew Harden. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, it's so great to be here. I appreciate your time, Ryan. Yeah, good seeing you again. I'm excited to really just pick up on the conversation we had a couple weeks ago when we first got coffee. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. Me too. While bios are great and all, they're a bit common. Uh, We are the Uncommon Podcast, so we aspire to do things a little bit differently. And I would like to just start off our conversation by asking the question, like, who is Drew? What are the most important things that you would want other people to to know about you? Oh, the, wow. What a great question, man. A hard hitting question. The first right out first, the gate, <laughs> right out of the gate. You know, I'm someone who's just very blessed and very thankful. I'm someone who's filled with gratitude and uh, I just feel like I've been blessed with a really great life. I have the opportunity to, I, I have an amazing family. I have a wonderful wife. I have two wonderful boys, two teenage boys. And um, I have the opportunity to influence them, but also to influence a lot of other people too. And I really desire to, you know, be a blessing to everyone around me. And of course, my family, but that also includes my team here at Blue Compass. I'm very interested in being a, a, a fantastic leader. I try my very best. I'm imperfect, but I certainly try my very best. And I want to do incredible work for clients, help them to grow their reach, their influence, their businesses, of course. And I'm also really passionate, Ryan, about helping others um, enjoy work more. I think that work is a place where we can really find purpose and friendships and relationships and where we can grow and get better. And there's so many people out there who do not experience that at work. And so I deeply desire a you know world where everyone feels just the same about Monday as they do about Friday, where everyone mm-hmm. loves their job, where work culture is fantastic, where we have fun and enjoy our work. And uh, that's one of the uh, other things about my life. I certainly try to influence other um, leaders and workplaces to enhance their culture and make it even better. That's awesome. You hit that out of the park. No, I love that. Oh, phew, um, good. <laughs> it only gets easier from here. Oh, no, good. We good. have a lot to get into just with your work with Blue Compass as well as your book retain. And first, I want to do something fun now. Throw a curveball your way and even just start with like a lightning round of questions. Are you up for that? I'm up for it. Sweet. So what is, what would you say is your favorite food? My mom makes an amazing apple cake. And when she gives me a pan of apple cake, I have no self-control and I'll eat like almost the whole thing in one sitting. So no no sharing is involved, really? Ideally not. 
<laughs> Very cool. Uh, best book that you've read in the past year? I just put out a blog article about the 18 books I read last year. And so I should be able to answer this very easily. Um, I always read, not necessarily the whole thing, but at least parts of the Bible every year. So I can't, you can't be better than that. It's such an incredible book. So certainly the Bible, but the second best book is, uh, I would say, Napoleon Hill's Master Course. It's a really, really big book. And it's based on a series of lectures by Napoleon Hill that he gave, you know, uh, many years ago, nearly 100 years ago, but it's really, really filled with just principles of success and self-growth and things like that. And it took me a while to get through, but I really enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have to link that that blog post in the show notes so people can check out your full list. That sounds great. Favorite movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Have you ever heard of or seen the shot for shot fan film remake of Raiders of the Lost Ark? No, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it before. That would yeah. be wow. You got it. You should check that out. Uh, back when the Fleur Cinema was still doing its thing, I think it may have recently opened this past year. But on my birthday, no, no less, they showed that fan film, and then there's also a documentary called Raiders, where they just talk about the the experience of these three friends in the '80s making this shot for shot remake of the spielberg classes so you got it you got to check that out it's your favorite movie for sure yeah, absolutely all right last question is a two-parter i'm curious were you a fan of pokemon growing up you're not that much older than me but no um i was certainly aware of it i have always been um big into video games i've owned every nintendo console except the virtual boy and i still own them and i've never gotten too into pokemon so I didn't really play it back in the day. Um, I remember it was originally on Game Boy. It was started in Japan. It came to the United States. So certainly aware of it. My son, Chase, really has been into Pokemon, and he's wow. played for years. I did play Pokemon Go, like a lot of Pokemon Go. Chase and I played Pokemon Go together nice. um, for quite a long time. So I'm very knowledgeable about Pokemon, but I've actually never, other than Pokemon Go, I don't think I've ever played a Pokemon game. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I... I had cards, but they were always given to me just by friends, and I never played. Yeah. Played some Pokemon Snap for 64 back in the day, which you're just oh, yeah. running around taking pictures of them. But yeah. uh, the reason I asked the question is because I'm curious. What can you tell me about the Pokemon Floodaxe, if I'm saying that correctly? Does that ring a bell? Which one? Floodaxe. I believe it might have been a Pokemon that you created with your son. Is this true? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I did. Okay, so what you're referencing is... I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago or so on my social media. Yeah, my son and I were drawing Pokemon and I felt like I did a pretty good job with my drawing. Yeah. And so I, I posted it on uh, social media. And yeah, I guess I must have named it Flood X. I, it was think, a, I think so. If water I say that correctly. <laughs> water type, clearly. Um, yeah, I've always been a doodler and a drawer. And, you know, um, speaking of video games, I got Ma Mario Paint for the Super Nintendo probably in like 1992 or three or four. And that was the first time I ever did any animation. And that made a big impact on me. And actually on my shelf over here in my office, I have um, that very Mario paint cartridge, but that was a big influence on me. So I've always loved doodling and drawing. And that really got me into like digital, I guess, art and animation and things like that. And that really grew and evolved in my first job um, when I was in college. My first real job was as an animator and an illustrator and a graphic designer. Um, so, yeah, that had a big, big impact on me. I still love to doodle. I'm kind of rusty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the flood axe looked very formidable. So I, th I think you still got some skill set. But <laughs> that just goes to show parents like video games can have their place for inspiration and kind of forming that career yeah. trajectory. So that's pretty well, cool. I you know, I remember back in the 90s, like video games were always looked at as kind of negative by older people. And, you know, I mean, some people today play video games, you know, 24 seven, and we limit how much our boys can play video games. I don't think we should play them all the time. But at the same time, you know, people watch TV all the time. And you know, what's better watching TV or playing a video game, I suppose it depends on the content sure. in both cases. 
And I'm sure, you know, there can be a program that you watch or a movie that you watch that can have a better influence on you than a video game. But it really depends on the content. And when you play video games, it's really problem solving. Um, almost any type of video game, you know, you're thinking through what to do next. There's a goal. There's always a problem you're trying to solve. Sure. And so I, I'm not advocating that we all play video games 24-7, <laughs> but it can be uh, a lot healthier than a lot of people think. Yeah, they can have their merits and... Mm -hmm. certainly a more interactive experience and now that we have like yeah the virtual reality and and all that so yes no i'm I'm right with you well you passed passed the lightning round as well so off to a great (laughs) start getting into to work that's one of our uncommon pillars worthwhile work looking at the pursuit of passion and purpose in our profession and what i've learned from you and your story so far it certainly seems like worthwhile work is a is a priority of yours and something that you're doing a fat, fantastic job cultivating through starting Blue Compass, also in your company uh, culture, consulting work, and speaking. As far as like a quick flyover of Blue Compass, essentially you're a team of digital experts helping brands succeed online through award-winning web design, development, and marketing. You took that right from the website, so I know it's I know it's accurate. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, give us an idea. I know you've probably had to tell this story a lot, but started back in 2007 with your now partner, Carrie, and you guys were working together at the time. And I've heard you kind of describe as you've retold the story of like this kind of unshakable desire to start your own business. So I would love for you, speaking of Mario Paint, if you could paint us a picture of what life looked like and kind of what drove you to strike out on your own, kind of forego your existing security and, and really start your own business. Yeah. Well, it was 2007 and I was working at a video production company. My wife worked at the same place. And then my friend, Carrie Coppola, worked at the same place as well. And I spent a lot of time doing work, um, you know, graphics and animation for videos, which I loved. But I always desired to get more into websites, into digital. And that's something Carrie did quite a bit of. um, But I, I could tell that this company was never going to fully embrace digital. And that's fine. I mean, this was you know, their business was video and that's fine. Um, so I started to develop kind of a desire to focus more on the web. And in addition to that, you know, when I started working at this place, it had fantastic company culture. I just loved it. It was so much fun to go to work every day. And over the years, it had degraded quite a bit. And I didn't love that. And so, you know, one day my wife was like, you know, why don't you just start your own place? Maybe you should just start a business and you can have a great culture and you can work on digital and the web. And I was super young. I mean, just a couple of years out of college, but that idea really stuck with me. And I knew I couldn't do it on my own. Um, I was at least smart enough to know I was pretty inexperienced. And I mean, I could do a decent design, but that was about it. So I recognized that Kerry had a lot of skills that I didn't. He had some skills in development. He had a lot more skills with sales and presentations and things like that that I had never done. So I just asked him one day, you know, would you be interested in starting our own place where we can always focus on the web? And he said, no, Um, my wife is pregnant with our first kid and this is a great job and I can't leave it. And my wife actually had to happen to be pregnant with uh, our first child as well. And so I think that was probably a reasonable response. But, you know, I was I was pretty persistent, Ryan, and I just kept asking him and eventually I got him to say yes. So we ended up quitting our jobs and it was very organic. You know, we didn't have any funding. We didn't really have like this strong business plan. We didn't really have clients lined up or anything like that. And people always ask, you know, Drew, were you scared? That sounds like such a frightening thing to do. And I wasn't scared at all. I was never scared. And it's not because I'm wise or have everything figured out. It's because I was so passionate about doing it. So it really taught me that when your passion outweighs your fear, you can do some incredible things. Mm. And uh, we started up, we both worked out of our homes and we just tried to build websites, try to find clients to build websites for. And, uh, you know, worked there for 2007. We started doing well enough in 2008. We were able to get a small office. Um, We hired someone in 2009. And, you know, just slowly over the years, we were blessed and added more and more people to our team. And it's really been a wonderful thing, you know, to add great experts to our team that can do things better than I can. Because at the beginning, I was doing everything and maybe not any of it all that well. 
But now, I mean, we have people who do business development so much better than me and designers who are better than me and developers and, you know, project managers. I mean, so many, <laughs> like everyone's better than me now. And so my goal is just to kind of get out of the way and let the experts do their thing. Uh, that's been a blessing. So yeah, we have three dozen people now and we continue to grow. And uh, it's been, you know, there's been ups and downs. I haven't always made the right decisions and I've, I've struggled. And I think any, any small business owner can tell you it's probably the best job in the world when things are going well, and maybe the worst job in the world when things aren't going well. Um, but I've learned so much. And so I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Thank you for providing some context in the background there. I think there's a lot to take from that story. I think even specifically, it says a lot about your wife at the time for her being pregnant yeah. and for her to be the one to present that idea of you starting your own thing. That yeah. I think that says a lot about her and just the the faith that she had in you, which is really cool. Yeah, she's really, really incredible. Um, her name is Melissa, and uh, she actually worked at Blue Compass for a time, too, and really helped us start our digital marketing department. Uh, we do a lot of like search engine optimization and other digital marketing things to help our clients get more awareness. And she's very instrumental in that. And, you know, especially the early days, Ryan, when I would just spend, you know, I'd be working like 80 hours a week. We had two young boys. I would, you know, come into work early. I would stay late. I'd come home for dinner. The boys would go to bed. I'd go back to work. I'd work weekends. And she never once complained. She was always supportive. So I'm really thankful for that. Even in that detail, as you kind of reflect back on on marriage in that season, like what do you attribute to keeping you your guys' relationship with you and is it Melissa, you said? Yeah. What kept you guys strong yeah. in that time? Well, I think um man, I'm really blessed with an incredible marriage. I think maybe the, the root of it is you know just a lot of love for each other of course but we both really we're really hard workers have great work ethics and we really respect work and so neither of us have an issue or problem if the one has to work extra um but but one of the things that really keeps us united i think is just as as simple as it sounds communication and like i heard someone talking and saying like hey you need to you should spend at least 90 minutes a week talking with your spouse, like one-on-one. -on -one. And we almost do that in one day. I mean, we, we just spend a lot of time together. If one of us is going to the store, usually that one will be like, Oh, I'm going to, we, we walk our dogs, you know, pretty much every day and, you know, spend the entire time just talking with one another. So as cliche as it sounds, just simply talking to one another, being interested, not always talking about yourself, but asking questions about your spouse. I think that's really essential. Yeah, that's awesome. We talk a lot about in our community of like staying appreciative and curious because I think especially in marriage, granted, I've only been married five years, but even in that short amount of time, the temptation for me is to think that I've learned everything I can about my wife, which is yeah. so far from the truth. So even just from day to day, like how do I stay curious about who she is and who she's becoming because we don't stay stagnant. You know, we evolve and we grow, hopefully. And so then there's there's always an endless opportunity to to learn about each other, but also appreciate who we are and, and who we're becoming. So yeah, I love that you touched on that for sure. When we first got coffee, I asked you about the name Blue Compass because it's an intriguing name. And you you told me a really cool story about how you actually acquired that name. Um, and I would love for you even just to share that with listeners. When we decided to start our business, we were trying to, to figure out a name. And actually on our wall here at Blue Compass, I have a canvas with just the some of the names that we were considering with different original logos sketched out. So it's kind of a fun piece of history. And we ultimately ended on the name Compass. And we like that because especially back in 2007, you know, Ryan, it was so confusing for so many people and organizations to figure out what they should do for their online presence. What was the right answer for their website? What type of digital marketing or social media did they need? And we really wanted to give people a clear direction for their online presence. And that's still our goal. And so we love the name Compass. Well, we wanted a URL that was available. You know, we wanted a web address that was available and Compass was taken. And so we threw some words in front of it. We just liked the word blue. We liked how it sounded. It sounded a little more creative um, in front of a little more structured word. But bluecompass.com was taken and it was owned by a travel agency that was based out of, I think, Denver, Colorado, somewhere. 
And so Carrie, my business partner, ended up calling them up and he got a hold of the owner and he said, hey, you know, would you ever be interested in selling your URL? And the guy said, no, you wouldn't be able to afford it. You know, I'm not going to sell it. And he said, but I see you're from Des Moines and your last name is Coppola. Do you have any relation to Joe Coppola? And that was Carrie's grandfather. And it turned out that this guy and Carrie's grandfather were old army buddies and they were in the military together. And so, I mean, they bonded over that. They, they talked about it, had a few laughs. And eventually the guy very kindly said, you know, I'll sell it to you for a thousand dollars. So the very first project we ever got was just a simple web design. And we had happened to just sold it for $1,000. So it was really a blessing. It was meant to be. And we felt very thankful for that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I remember you sharing that. I was like, man, if that isn't like divine providence, I don't know what is. That's such yeah, a, a cool moment of God's provision. And putting myself in your shoes, I would, I would think that was would be very affirming that I was on the right path at the, it at was. the time. It was. Yeah. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, super cool. So as you guys built out Blue Compass and, and grew, and you even you even mentioned at the previous company you were with, you know, initially had a great culture and then that kind of eroded over time. When did this idea of creating, you know, a unique and an amazing company culture kind of come to the forefront for for you and the existence of Blue Compass? Well, it was there since the beginning, and that was always our goal to have a fun place that we enjoyed going to. And we really had that for a number of years. And especially when your team is a little smaller, it's not particularly difficult to avoid drama and gossip, it's easier to have fun and have a good culture together. And we hired people we really enjoyed. And um, then in 2012, so, you know, we're about five years in or so, um, I always say the best and worst thing that ever happened to us happened, which is we got this massive, massive client that we had never had uh, that scale of client before. And this project was so big, we immediately needed to hire. And we had eight people back then, and we immediately doubled in size and got about 16 people. And after that, you know, Ryan, that was the first time I ever noticed any forms of drama or gossip creeping into Blue Compass. And I was like, what's going on here? And ultimately, you know, those years were pretty difficult because that's never what I wanted. And I had to figure out what to do about it. And I was a very young leader at the time. And it taught me that the power of my personality is not enough to fuel a great company culture. You have to have a mission. You have to have values. You have to be very purposeful about it. And you have to have a plan. You can't just let culture hopefully move in the right direction itself because it won't. Because we're all human. We're all imperfect. And so we developed our five values and really emphasized those. And we removed some people that were not the right fit for our team and got really serious about giving our team members a really good experience each and every day. And eventually things turned around. And, you know, today I'm really thankful we win, you know, national awards for our culture. We have clients thank us all the time for the great experiences they have. And they mentioned that um, they can tell our culture is fantastic. People say they can feel it when they're they're in our office. It's just an energy in the air. So things turned around and I'm, I'm really thankful for that. You know, and as CEO, I've learned that my number one purpose is to make our values and our mission known to our team members, to live them out myself and to help our team do the same. And if I can do that, you know, we're going to have such an incredible workplace. Uh, everyone's going to feel supported. No one's going to be looking over their shoulder because someone's taking their credit. And when we all feel safe and supportive, when we're showing joy, together in the workplace, um, we're going to be able to probably do some incredible work and I'll move in the right direction. Excellent. And those those values, they, and they are, so we are positive, we continually grow our expertise, we support one another, we give clients our best, and we reject drama and gossip. You got there's it. More, there's more that you could say on that, sure, to flesh it out, but I would love for you to even talk about, like, how did you arrive at these specific values? Was there a particular exercise that you guys went through as a leadership or did they just kind of seem to materialize naturally? Well, I think it was just 
discussion and brainstorming. And, and I've actually refined it over the years. So in my book, I actually have uh, in one of the chapters, it takes you through the exercise about how your organization can either develop values or refine your current values. And they have to be visible. That's the key. They can't, you can't just have values. You can't just hang them on the wall and forget about them. You have to have leadership that believes in them. You have to live them out yourself as leaders and managers. You have to have team members who know them. Um, at Blue Compass, we put them on our wall. We put them on our website. We have them in our intranet. We have them in our proposals. I went and pitched a new business to a big Fortune 500 company um, a number of months ago, and I had a slide deck, and the very first slide that came up was just simply each one of our values. And that seems very internal. It's like, why would I start trying to pitch new business by just talking about our values, but it's so integral to who we are that um, yeah, they have to be visible and they have to be communicated. And it's important not only that our team members believe in those values, but also that our clients do too. We want to work with clients that are positive. We want to work with clients that want to grow, that want to um, uh, stay away from drama and gossip and things like that. So we try to do that. But uh, yeah, it was just a process of, of discussing, you know, who are we? Where do we want to go? Who do we want to be? And that kind of fueled the discussion for our values initially. Just kind of a sense of like consistently preaching to yourself your your values. And that's the way that you're going to make sure that you're actually like living according to them, right? Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I have to live them out myself. So if I'm negative and I'm complaining and everything, um, that's really, really going to hurt our culture because that's the opposite of our values. Um, in our team meetings every month, we will share an example of each one of those five values of someone um, doing what, like we are positive, and we'll share an example of someone in the last 30 days who who lived that value out. And so there's a little bit of storytelling, but it's like every time we're together, we focus on those and we articulate them and we talk about how someone lived them out. Yeah. And I think story in that example is more interesting than just reciting the values. And it's just one of the ways we keep them top of mind. And you're uh, you're affirming your team members in the process. It's not like, all right, and then our value of being positive. Here's how so and so was not positive. It's it's yes. catching people doing good, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. So I'd love to get into your book, Retain. So how to create an incredible company culture that no one wants to leave. And you've already touched on a lot of the the factors that go into that. And I just want to say I love the book. I listened to it on Audible and you did a great job reading it. And, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I feel like you provided tons of practical wisdom, not only how to create an amazing work culture, but also how to enhance just all your relationships by adding value and practicing gratitude. So I think I benefited just from listening to it, even if I'm never in a position like that. So everyone should should listen to it and and take a lot away from it. But I wanted to know what inspired you to to write the book and was it an idea that you'd been sitting on for a while or how did it come to fruition? Crafting and maintaining a incredible workplace has become just such of such importance to me and is something that I do so much of um, little by little people have asked me to you know as we've become more known for that people have come asked me to come speak about it I've done a lot of you know, speeches and presentations about it. And so I've gotten somewhat decent, at least about articulating it. So I decided, you know, I'd love to be able to put this into a book so, you know, people could read it on their own. And um, I think that was the inspiration for it. It's, it's something that I am passionate about and live out all the time. And I'd love for others to experience the the culture that we do. Was there a significant like new idea that came to you through the process of writing that book and I'm sure just reflecting over the years and things? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if anyone has asked me that. I don't know if any new ideas came to me, Ryan, but it certainly helped me refine and better articulate my current ideas. And for me, you know, if I can write something down, it really helps my mind work through it. And so I'm sure the whole process just made me understand it a little better. I probably wrote more for me than anyone else. Yeah. And I, I would think that I can probably speak about it a little better now that I went through the process of writing the book and reading the book too. You mentioned I did the Audible book uh, and the audio book is, is surprisingly difficult to read, you know, for four hours, um, <laughs> read your own words and try to, you know, think about 
you know, what you were thinking. And as I read through it, I read, I created the audio book, you know, a couple months after the written book. And, you know, I would think like, what was I thinking there? Why did I say it like, (laughs) and you kind of second guess yourself sometimes, but is is surprisingly difficult to do without making mistakes. But I think just even reading through it audibly (laughs) was good for me too. I think that would be a a good tool to do before a book's even published. It's like, all right, now I'm going to read through this aloud. And then, yeah, you'd have all those kind of glaring things. But one thing you talk about in the book is a secret ingredient that will infuse your culture with more joy. Mm-hmm. So what what is that ingredient? Well, there's multiple, I, I suppose, but I, I I think I would actually focus on two things here, Ryan, okay. and not just one. And one of them is surprise, and the other one is customization. And I'll tell you what I mean. The first one, surprise. You know, when you do something, when you appreciate someone, when you show, when you um, want someone to experience joy in the workplace whether you're getting them a coffee, whether you're getting them a gift, whether you're praising them in front of others. I found that when you add surprise to that, it heightens the experience. I think surprise heightens any experience that you have, whether for the negative or for the positive. And so if you can add it to the positive experiences, it makes those positive experience heightened. And a lot of people say, well, I don't like surprises. And that's fine. (laughs) I understand that, but that doesn't stop me from surprising. So, like, I'm gonna make you a believer. <laughs> yeah. So whenever we we do something for a team, like um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, we decided to take everyone out to lunch, and we had a giant party bus come, and we picked everyone up, and we took them out to lunch, and then we brought them back, and we drove around the city a little bit, and we played some games out in the parking lot afterwards, and we didn't tell anyone that that was coming, and did that create maybe a little confusion uh, some issues logistically yeah probably Uh, we tried to make sure everyone's schedule was open but people were so surprised when it happened they were so excited and if we would have told them hey we have a party bus coming to pick you up to take you to lunch a lot of people would probably think well i wonder what type of party bus and hmm, i hope they don't take me here for lunch i'd rather go here but (laughs) it's a surprise it's something that um, often uh, we can appreciate a little more So even if I'm bringing someone a coffee in the morning, which I try to do every now and again to say thanks, I'll never ask them ahead of time. I will, you know, I don't want them to know it's coming. Even if they brought a coffee for themselves, you know, I'll put it on their desk before they arrive. And I think they appreciate it more just because it was unexpected. So to me, that's one of the first ingredients. Now, one of the second ingredients is, like I said, um, uniqueness, customization, if you globally appreciate someone or groups of people, you know, you say thank you to everyone, you give everyone the same gift. That's nice. Um, my wife worked at a workplace and for Employee Appreciation Day, they gave everyone a $50 gift card to, I don't know what it was, Amazon or something like that or a restaurant. And that's great. You know, I don't want to speak bad about that. That's a wonderful thing to do. But how much more appreciative would people be if they gave a gift card to each person's favorite place? Mm-hmm takes more time and effort, but people appreciate it more. Sure. And, and so, you know, here at Blue Compass, when someone starts on our team, we have a, a form that they fill out and we say, hey, what's your favorite way to be appreciated? We all like to be, we have a different language of appreciation. Do we like words of affirmation? Do we like acts of service? Do we like gifts, et cetera? So we try to understand how people like to be appreciated. And then we ask them, you know, what's your favorite sports team? What's your favorite coffee place? What's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite candy? That sort of thing. Um, and most of us, I mean, we know each other really well, so we know most of those things anyway, but um, that enables us to give unique, customized gift individualization that a global gift doesn't give. So I think the individualization and then the surprise are two powerful things that um, leaders can really use to their advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And I can only imagine like that creates such a strong team bond. And I'm curious, have you seen that type of intentionality with surprise or or even the customization? Have you seen that translate from the team to like the client relationships, the way that different team members interact with the clients that they're serving? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that um, those two principles really permeate our culture here. One of the things I notice is like if, if a client has an anniversary coming up, um, often, you know, someone here will get them a gift. And um, we have done like 
one single gift for all clients before, but we'll do unique gifts as well and um, often unannounced. Yeah. So yeah, I think so. What's the most memorable surprise that you've received at Blue Compass? Oh, gosh. Um, I had a clown come and sing to me for Boss's Day once. Oh, scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty memorable. Uh, I did not expect that. Was that surprising or traumatizing or a little bit of both? Definitely a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> so stuff what, like that will yeah. happen. What what would you say is like the most elaborate? Because I know there's some pranks that go down at Blue Compass too. Yeah. Like what's one of the more elaborate pranks? Oh gosh, that's a good question. You don't have to name names. I would say pranks and like jumping out and scaring people is definitely part of our culture as well. And it's easy to say, well, that's unprofessional. And maybe it is, but I also <laughs> think that the workplace should be fun and we're not here to be boring. And I think the best leaders don't just allow fun, they cause it. So it's something I never want to shut down. But um, when we do interviews here, we have a conference room that just has one glass wall. And usually the interviewee will sit with his or her back to the wall. And so, and I talk about this in my book, but this is, we will um, always have people come by and try to make them laugh. And so whether it's making a funny face or pushing each other around on chairs, um, one of the better ones that happened recently was we have, um, we had, I think, three or four members of our um, development team put on wigs and I don't know if they had a guitar or what, but they played like a country song and they were dancing like they were a band and trying to get the person to laugh. And the goal <laughs> was not to let the other person turn around. Oh, and just just um, a couple months ago, I was interviewing someone and our whole team, this was on Halloween too, our whole team was like dressed up as these random characters and objects and they did a like a conga line, like almost the entire team did a conga nice. line. But it was like it was so loud that immediately <laughs> when I was interviewing spun around. And I'm sure she thought, wow, this is weird and this is a strange place to work. But I mean, it's better she knows now than after she starts yeah. and is surprised. Our culture, I think, is really fun and joyful and and crazy, but it's not for everyone, and not every work culture is for everyone. So, you know, we want we want people who really enjoy being social and fun um, and don't uh, mind being a little silly in the office. Sure. Yeah. It sounds like an episode of like Impractical Jokers. Yeah. You know, sometimes <laughs> like that. Which is yeah. great. So, and that leads me to something else I was curious is like, how do you manage to cultivate a fun and easygoing reputation as a boss while also maintaining like the authority that you have as CEO of your company to hold people accountable to, yeah, you know, their, their goals and things like that. Yeah, you can you can do just about anything when you have the respect and relationship with others. And so the baseline of that is if my team member knows I know I actually care about them, then that enables me great influence and great opportunities. So that's the baseline of it. I mean, if you're a leader, you gotta, it's not about barking orders. It's not about, you know, it's not about the just the bottom line. It's about relationships. And, you know, relationships matter more than billable hours. Billable hours <laughs> matter quite a bit too, but relationships matter more. So if I can be a leader that has the respect of my team, that cares about them, that actually takes time to connect with them, that takes time to go over to someone's desk and say, how was your weekend? That takes time to listen. I think a lot of leaders don't listen very well. The greatest communication um, issue today is that we often listen to respond. We don't listen to, you know, hear and understand yeah, learn. and learn. Yeah. So if you can be a leader that actually listens, that actually cares, that takes time out of your day, forget about your to-do list for a little bit and go talk to people and listen, um, that will really build those relationships. And, and when you have, you know, friendships and relationships and bonding in the office, people are so much willing, more willing to go out of their way to help and serve one another than if they were otherwise. So it's good leaders are servant leaders. I would imagine that motivates individuals. They, they want to work. They want to do their best work because they, they've been given a sense of dignity and worth and it's like they want to do a great job for the company. It kind of sounds like striking a, a good balance between like Michael Scott and Steve Jobs. Is that accurate <laughs> at all? 
<laughs> I'll have to think about that analogy, but yeah, maybe it's somewhere in there. You should just do a, an employee poll, see who they like in YouTube or <laughs> <laughs> kind of transitioning. I mentioned the principles that you outline in your book are transferable to everyday life. So things like appreciation and service and even joking. I'm curious, in what ways do you think your emphasis on on healthy, fun work culture has positively impacted your personal relationships, whether in marriage or parenting or, or friendship? Well, you know, we spend so much of our time every day in the workplace. Whatever you experience there is going to influence your personal life. It's going to influence your marriage, your friendships, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever that, your kids, whatever that might be. And I've I've had incredible seasons of stress and and difficult times, you know, in my 16 years at Blue Compass, but especially, you know, the latter half, just as I got to be a little, a little bit better of a leader and we figured things out a little more, has been really wonderful. And so uh, do I have pressure on me? Yeah, I do. Do I have stress? I don't have a lot of stress. I have stress occasionally, but we all have pressure on us. Whether you have stress or not, not is your decision. Mm. And I try to say no to stress. I'm not perfect, but I'm getting better. And I have such a, a healthy work life that I think it's I think it's been really good for my health. I think it's been good for my marriage and my friendships and things like that. And I think generally when I get home, I'm in a pretty good mood. So yeah, the quality of your, your workplace um, really matters it really impacts and vice versa too of course yeah i love that distinguishing between pressure and stress like we all face pressure but how you respond to it determines whether or not you succumb to stress or you just are resourceful and creative and you you find a way but i'm curious what are so in in light of that like what are some of the things with all your commitments and responsibilities like what do you do outside of work to have fun and unwind and even like prioritize your own physical, mental, emotional health. Oh, yeah. Well, I love to, I think, you know, staying healthy is so important. I try my best to eat right. I run a lot, you know, lift weights, that sort of thing. I am work out every single day. I think that's important to do it the first, do it early in the morning. I get up at 540. And I think that's extremely important. And um, so sometimes people say I'm too busy to work out. And you're too busy not to work out. You have to take care of your health. So I think that's really important for sure. And uh, something that I really um, have tried to emphasize. So I enjoy doing that. I ran my first marathon a couple months ago, um, which was harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> it's a good experience. I finished. And uh, so spending time with my kids, you know, watching sports with them, playing video games with them is certainly something I do. And then reading as well. And of course, spending time with my wife. Yeah. What does it look like for you to even practice like active rest? Because I you know like working out is is important, but that is is very active and takes can take a lot out of you. But what does it look yeah. like for you to to rest and have Sabbath? That's probably something I could get better at, and I don't know if I've mastered active rest. I'm pretty productive most of the time, so when I have free time, I will often just create content. Like for my website, I'll write blog articles. I'll create videos try to create like helpful, worthwhile social posts. So that's one of the ways that's probably not active rest though. You know, watching a movie sometimes or just chilling out and playing a video game, walking the dogs. I think that's probably the most, the best response I have for active rest. Yeah. Different types of rest, whether it's like physical, mental, emotional, right. You mentioned like, yeah, the time that you spend with your kids, either playing video games or, or whatnot. Like, what would you say as a dad is something that you're currently celebrating in the lives of your kids? You mentioned you have two teenage boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. One is 13. One is 15, almost 16. I think it's my oldest son is getting to the point where he actually, you know, won't be in the house for that much longer. So that's kind of a reality check, I think. And so as I'm thinking about, you know, moving into this year and everything, I'm trying to think, you know, how can I be purposeful about continuing to build those relationships? I deeply desire to have great relationships with my boys, um, tell them I love them every day. Um, we tease each other, laugh together and everything. But I want, you know, as I get older and as they're in their 20s and 30s and everything, I want to continue to have that great relationship with them. That's really important to me. So I'm trying to think about how can I influence them positively sometimes as a parent it's kind of tough to 
to tell your kid a lesson or teach them something, maybe especially when they're teenagers. Um, and we have really good relationships, but sometimes it's like, oh, there's dad trying to tell me something again. So I'm sure. trying to think how I can have the best impression on my boys and how we can be purposeful about spending time with them. Uh, it takes, yeah, it takes a lot of work and effort to raise good kids, but um, it's definitely one of life's greatest joys. Yeah. That's one of the most worthwhile work that we can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've heard it said like kids spell love T I M E. So even as a dad of two young boys, I just have to remind myself like, it doesn't necessarily matter what they don't even really care necessarily what we're doing as long as I'm just there. And I'll find like, I go into the kitchen or the the dining room to do something and like, they'll just come and play like where I'm at. Yeah. So yeah. just the fact that they just want me to be around is, is super cool. Oh yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate you sharing on that. We've talked about the the core values of, of blue compass and, and one of our uncommon pillars is victorious vision. And we talk a lot about just, core values as, as people and how that kind of, that really sets the foundation for our identity. And then our identity helps us come up with goals and cast vision. So I'd be curious to know, like, what would you say is one of your core values as a man? I think, you know, kind of like I talked about in the beginning, Ryan, I just think influence and having positive influence. I want to ensure that I live a life where I'm always impacting others positively, whether it's my family, my team, my friends, or, you know, my followers, those who see what I'm doing online and watch my videos and things like that, who read my book, I want to have a lasting positive impact. Um, Yeah, I think that's really important. And then just having great relationships in all that I do, especially with God, that's important. For sure. For sure. Well, as we wrap up, I want to just ask two more questions. In light of it being January and the beginning of 2024, I'd love to know like what is one thing you're excited about for your professional life and one thing you're excited about for your personal life as we start the new year? Mm, good question. Well, I mean, every at the end of every year, I set what I call future goal statements, and I do it for different categories of my life. So my family, my mental life, um, spiritual life, physical uh, fitness, my personal brand, my vocation. And I write, you know, in, in present tense, as if it was one year from now, you know, this year, I improved my relationship with my wife and did X, Y, and Z or, you know, I try to think what would make me just feel incredibly happy and blessed if I accomplished these this year and I write them as if they had been done. So this is something I I focus on quite a bit. I think professionally, you know, I just feel really excited about going into this year. Um, we have just some really phenomenal new clients lined up, some great new business. You know, we're, we're hiring, we're growing. We have a really happy team. Uh, you know, like I said, there's always ups and downs in business and, you know, things aren't always perfect but we're just in a great position to grow and do a better job of serving our team. So I'm just really excited about that personally. And then um, in my personal life, I think just, you know, like I mentioned with my boys, just I want to do a really good job of influencing them and spending more time with them this year and spending time together as a family, especially in light of the fact that, you know, my oldest son, um, the time I have with him is limited, especially, you know, two, three years from now. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited for you. We've covered a lot just from your work and even getting into family relationships and and health and casting vision. So my last question for you, it's one that I like to ask some of my guests. I don't ask all of them, but it's in in light of this casting vision. And um, even you mentioned kind of the visualization that you do, but if you were to jump ahead, let's say 30 years from now, and you're sitting at the dinner table with your wife, kids, you have grandkids at that point, just all your loved ones. And as you look around the table, see smiling faces and you're kind of reflecting on the the years and decades even, like what do you hope that you'll be toasting to in terms of just what God has done in the in the lives of your family? Yeah, gosh, what a great what a great question. I think just being in that position would be a blessing in and of itself, you know, to have um 
to have healthy, well-adjusted, um, successful kids with great, well-balanced lives, relationships with God themselves, that would be a huge blessing to have grandkids too, um, who are in a great place. That would just be a huge blessing. So if it was nothing else, I just think that that would be a great, and to be able to spend time with them and see them, um, as I get older, you know, having gratitude becomes more important. And I think having gratitude, we are, we're also driven by things that we want and by the focus on what we don't have. And I'm no different, but gratitude makes what we have enough. And so I think just having that moment um, would be really special. And I hope that in 30 years, I'm a lot better, um, stronger, mentally better developed. I hope I have zero stress in my life and that I'm really embracing gratitude and able to enjoy that moment. Um, but yeah, I hope we can, and I, I hope I would be able to celebrate the, the influence that I would have on all my family, family members. And I hope too, I can look back professionally and say, you know, wow, I impacted a lot of great organizations and helped them fulfill their goals. I hope I really impacted a lot of amazing workplaces and made them better and made people happier at their jobs. And I, in 30 years, I hope I'm still doing that. I hope I'm still speaking and influencing others. Awesome. No, that's a beautiful dream. And I hope that all comes true for you. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> well, yeah, I have to say this has definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, you've been a delight to talk to and I think giving me and our listeners valuable nuggets of wisdom for us to just think about and apply as we begin a new year. So thank you so much for that. And I'll best I'll definitely include links to your website and socials and anything else where where people can engage with you. But as we sign off, is there anything we didn't get to talk to or address thought or a question maybe you want to leave with people? No, I would just say, hey, I love what you're doing, Ryan. Um, keep up the good work. I love these conversations that you're having. I know that, you know, you recently had an episode about consuming versus creating. I think that's so important because we're so uh, pushed to be consumers in life. So encouragement to you to keep up the good work. Thank you. No, I appreciate you listening to that. And thank you for the affirming words as well. Thank you again to my guest, Drew. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Podcast. I've been your host, Ryan, reminding you that you are the hero of your uncommon story. So go take uncommon action and make 2024 your most uncommon year yet. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.